Hey friends, thanks for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel today. We hope that God speaks to you in a personal, powerful way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Word of God with us. Wow, it's great to be here this morning. It's my first time ever in the Syracuse area, and um, this is a beautiful region. The warm weather. I left Portland. It was rainy and wet. I bet you've never heard anybody brag about your warm weather here before, but that when you live under the gray cloud of the Northwest, you appreciate some sunshine. And so it's great to be here. Your church, you guys did an awesome job of uh, hosting the regional conference for Ministers Fellowship International. We want to thank you for that. You did outstanding. First time I've ever been to one of these regionals where they actually served breakfast, lunch, and dinner and did a great job with it. So I found out when I, when I fir first became a Christian at the age of 24, I read in the Bible that Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. And uh, anyhow, I've, I have found out that part of that fire is pie and goodies and <laughs> food. Christians like to eat, isn't that right? And so it was just a great, great time together. And uh, by the way, I just love your pastor and his wife and the leadership team here. They just, they... They make you feel at home. That's, that's a gift. They have this hospitality thing and warmth about them. and They just make you feel like, wow, we, we are home here. And then, you know, Bernie and I, we, we have a competition for the best looking head. And um, <laughs> I won. He's not here to defend himself, so I won. So anyhow, it's, uh, it's just great to be here. I want to share with you this morning a thought that's been burning inside of me for a great season, and I've just started developing it and speaking about it, and um, I shared my testimony yesterday. Some of you heard it, but I, I was a 24-year-old pothead, drunken, pothead, lost, broken, and the Holy Spirit just invaded my life, and I, I, that was in 1973, and a, and, a, and a burning passion for Jesus came into my life that has just never left. And so I, I want to talk today about our God, who is a consuming fire. That subject, that, that statement, and um, there are four distinct statements about God in the New Testament saying he is, God is. And by the way, this this concept of when we talk about God, the Bible teaches that he is the living God. He's alive. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's real. He reveals himself to us. That's how we all come to him is that he opens us up and reveals himself to us. And he does it sometimes when we're in the biggest messes of our life. He comes with his grace and he comes with his mercy. He comes with his kindness and he wraps himself around us and he speaks to us. He, he's not some dead 
thing that we have thought about and he's out there and he put the planets in motion and you're on your own. No, he is alive. He speaks to us. He, he talks to us. He, he reveals himself to us. And so Jesus said this, God is spirit in John 4, 24. God is spirit. The word is pneuma, which means that he breathes upon us. Just, just as Adam received the breath of God when he was created, by the way, we were created. And, and when he was created, God breathed into him. And then the disciples at the resurrected Jesus breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this new birth that we have, we get Ezekiel prophesied about the new covenant. And he said this, you get a new heart. And you get a new spirit. And I put my spirit inside of that new heart. And so he breathes into us and says, come alive in me. That's, that's the breath of God. That's what happens when we are born again, when we become a new creation. By the way, the gospel doesn't come and get added to your life. The gospel takes over your life. And the gospel brings dead people alive. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then God breathes into us and says, come alive. There might be somebody in this room that you've, you, this is kind of foreign language that I'm saying right now. But I'm here to declare over you that the living God will reveal himself to you. And you will come alive with a whole new life in front of you. It's a wonderful life. Amen. John, first John said this, God is light. And the Greek word is phos, which is Focus light to shine, to make himself manifest. You read in Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, who was angry and envious and killing Christians and imprisoning them. All of a sudden, this light shone from heaven. It says that he fell to the ground. So whatever it was, and then he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Who are you? Uh, Jesus. And so this revelation of God, see, and so Saul later said he was transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And when we are born again, we actually, we get moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This God reveals himself. He begins to illuminate things. He illuminates his person, his presence. He illuminates his word to us. And so he focuses himself upon us. And then Jesus said God is love, or John said God is love, which is agape. It is pure and it is holy. It, agape is unmotivated. See, God doesn't decide to love you. He loves you because that's who he is. <laughs> doesn't matter how tall you are or how short you are or how pretty you are or how you look like you could look like me. Then you need God. See, and so... It doesn't, those things don't matter. He loves you because that is who he is. Romans 5 says that he pours agape into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. His love being poured into us, by the way, is what heals us. It's what restores us. It's what makes us new. It what picks us up out of our discouragement, not of our hopelessness. Holy Spirit, come Fill us afresh with the love of God. Those who understand what agape is, you have a security. You've got an identity. 
You're talking about identity around here. Your identity begins with him. It begins with his love. It begins with his goodness. That he transfers us into that relationship with him. We belong to him. And then Paul, or the author of Hebrews, said this, Our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25. Turn there with me. I actually do use my Bible. I, I, I don't use an iPad. I do, but I, I try to give notes, so there should be some scripture on the screen. He is a consuming fire. Do not, do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spake on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he's promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace where we may serve God acceptance, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> In the Western world, where everybody is driven and catered to as a consumer, we sometimes get our perspective on God a little bit messed up. Like we think that he is our waiter and we want to consume him. And so we give him our list, we give him our agenda, we give him what we want, God, come and do this. 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 I want to consume you. I want, to, I want to try and be kind here. But if that is our concept of God, we've got a perspective that needs to be adjusted. Because we're not the consumer. He is. See, and, and, and Christianity is a surrendered life, not a demanding life. Did, did you hear what I said? By the way, you, I, I, should, I should warn you about this stuff. I, I was a pastor for 25 years in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when I was, I was, a, I was a good boy. I loved people. I cared for people. I did all those things, you know. Now I've been kind of unleashed a little bit. And so now I have a new job description and my job description is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And so and I'm, I'm a bit more of a preacher than I am a teacher. And there's kind of a prophetic edge on side of me. And so if, if you're getting uncomfortable right now, so am I. But it's going to be good. It, it, it's going to be good. Okay. So when we come to God, this is what I want, I want, I want. See, there's a problem with that. And what I want actually needs to be shaken off of me. And I need to receive the kingdom that I understand that I now have a king. I'm not my own boss. I'm under new ownership. And I am devoted to him. And I am in love with him. And it's, what do you want? You're the consumer. I'm not the consumer. 
when we look at this thought that he's the consuming fire, we go back and look at the, some Old Testament scriptures, and we will in a minute. It's, it's he came and consumed the offering. I, I'd like to suggest that some of this stuff that we've just been through with plagues and COVID and all this stuff, God is actually trying to get a little bit of our attention and get our perspective in the right place so that we actually, this list that we have, we should just kind of crumble that up and throw it on the altar and then throw ourselves on the altar and say, God, here I am. What do you want? What do you, here, come, I, I surrender afresh. Come and consume me. Because this list I've been handing you, it leads me to disappointment all the time. But, but if I'll just lay it here and let you come and light a fire inside of me, all of a sudden my passions line up with your passions and my desires line up with your desires and my wanter lines up with your wanter and my will lines up with your will. God, come and consume me. Let a fire from heaven come and get inside of us. You know, it works better when he is actually leading your passions instead of you stirring your own. I'm just kind of, Jesus, help me. When there's a great shaking going on, plagues and wars and instability, we who are followers of Jesus should expect the fire of the Holy Spirit to be ignited in the church and our perspective needs to come in line with God's perspective. See, we, we pray for revival all the time. God, revive me, revive us, send revival into this place. Well, one of the words for revival means to light an internal fire. So when you look in Psalms 119, five times the thought of revival is, is written down. Revive us according to your word. You know, revive us according to your ways. This is a relational journey that we are on, and we, we are invited into fellowship with him on his terms. It's not on mine. It's on his terms. Revive us according to your righteousness or morality and justice and how other people are treated, how we treat other people. Revive us according to your judgments. Let the unclean come out of me. Revive us according to your loving kindness. God, when we want you to light a fire inside of us, the stuff that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing needs to get burned out of us so that we get in alignment and get back into the word of God. That thing needs to come alive inside of us. It's fun to preach here. There's, there's some people that like some preaching. So you might... I, if you say too many amens, I might just keep going. You've got to help me. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. He is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a fire from heaven. On the day of Pentecost, the church received that fire. The resurrected Jesus was walking with two guys on the road to Emmaus, and they said this. Didn't our heart burn inside of us when he was unlocking the scriptures? Acts 2, the tongues of fire came upon them and got inside of them. Fire does a lot of things. There's three things that I know that fire does. Number one is fire cleanses out the impurities that are inside of us. Fire cleanses out. Gold and silver all have to go through the fire to get the dross out and the impurities be found. 
And so, you know, your, your faith is more precious than gold and silver that perish. And there is a purifying process that God will do with fire that will cleanse us on the inside. And we, we could stand a little cleansing. I, I could. I, I'll just preach to myself for a little bit and you can listen, okay? So we, we need some cleansing on the inside. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, they see God. They, they, they understand what he's doing. They understand what he's up to. They actually plug in and start participating with him. And, and if you belong to him and you said, now you're the consumer, God, I'm not the consumer. You just gave him permission to light a little flyer inside of yourself and get the stuff that's in you that's not supposed to be in there out of you. And he will do that for you. He's faithful. Fire gives opportunity for new life. It gives opportunity for new life. Several years ago, Barbara, my wife, and I, uh, this week we'll have been married for 45 years. <clears throat> we have three kids and four grandkids, and, you know, our life has just been blessed by God. But anyhow, we, we were in, in Yellowstone on a, on a vacation, and, and um, she arranged it all, and we stayed in some of those rental places that they have rustic places inside of the park. But we were there about 18 months after there had been a massive fire that had swept through that park. And, I mean, it, it swept through so bad that it was uncontrollable. They just let it burn out. And driving all through that park and hiking and trails and everything else, everywhere we went, there were new sprouts coming up because fire Actually, the heat from the fire had enough pressure on it that it popped the seeds that had been holed up inside of all kinds of pine cones and everything else, and they got popped out, and they were now having new life inside of it. And so fire gives opportunity for new life. <laughs> and um, I, I just think I, I'm going to meddle a little bit. Is that okay? Can I meddle? Okay. This little fire that we've just been through with the COVID stuff and all the garbage that went along with it. and I, I should be nice about how I say it, but I'm telling you, it has a cleansing element to it. And, and there's a whole bunch of old stuff in our lives that we were doing that we didn't need to be doing and don't matter anymore. And the fire of the Holy Spirit is involved with this. I don't think God caused this mess, but I do think he'll use this mess for his purposes to extend. And so you, you, got, a, you, you got a fire that is making opportunity for new things to happen. You know, now I'm really going to take another step into meddling. Churches have been doing a whole bunch of stuff that they've just been doing because they've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years and didn't ever stop doing it, and they had to stop doing it all over again. And if there was no life on it, for goodness sake, get out of it. Don't go restart it. You have an opportunity to start something new, and somebody gets their healings hurt. Blame COVID. <laughs> but get in the new. Are you listening to me? 
Don't revive a bunch of dead programs that didn't bear any fruit. Give yourself to the simple principles that are in the scriptures and watch God cause his fire to come alive and new life to start everywhere because you surrendered to the cleansing fire that brought new life into your life. Some of you people, I had myself, meant all the stuff that I was doing that I was thought was important and they hold you up in your house for a couple weeks and you're thinking, is Jesus my life or is everything else my life? I, I think Jesus wants to be our life. I, I, I used to tell my kids, you can win the rat race, but you're still a rat. Sometimes we're in the rat race and God will bring something along in our lives to get us off of that treadmill and sit down and be still and know that he is God and his word is true and he will be exalted in the earth. So fire has this opportunity for new life and fire ignites passion, a fresh desire for God and his kingdom and his purposes. You read through the Old Testament, the prophets had some fire encounters. Moses had a burning bush, a pillar of fire, fire in the mountain, fire. Elijah called fire down from heaven, said, who, who are you going to serve? He's the God who answers by fire. Jeremiah said, there's a fire burning inside of my bones, I have to prophesy. Ezekiel saw in open heavens there was a great cloud with a ranging fire engulfed inside of it. Isaiah said, there's coals of fire, put, put them on my lips, you can send me. At the end of his life, he said, God, I've been preaching my whole life, it hasn't worked, how about you who lit fire in me coming down on them and shaking everything up? Amen. When we look, let's look at some Old Testament. I want to teach a little bit and preach a little bit and mingle it together. Is this helping anybody? I hope so. I hope it's helping you. Exodus chapter 24, or Exodus, excuse me. Yeah, 24. Exodus 24, chapter 9, or verse 9. Moses, the elders of Israel, there was a revelation of God. They saw a little bit of heaven, the sapphire stones. And, and then the Lord said to Moses, come on up to me in the mountain. And I'm going to give you tables of stone and the law of commandments, which I've written. And I, I'm going to teach you. So Moses arose with his assistant, Joshua, and they went up into the mountain. And he said to the elders, wait here. Aaron and her are with you. If any means has difficulty, let them deal with the issues. By the way, Pastor, get some people to deal with your issues so you can spend time with God. Just. The glory of the Lord rested on the mountain, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire in the top of the mountain and in the eyes of the children of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. 
Verse 12, the Lord spoke to you, Moses said, out of the midst of the fire. Deuteronomy is the book of remembrance. He's, he's talking to Israel about what all God has done. The Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard his words but saw no form. You only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenants, which he commanded to you. That is the Ten Commandments. He wrote them on two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you're going over to possess. And he makes these statements. Take careful heed to yourselves. For you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Lest you act corruptly. Make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, in the likeness of male or female, in the likeness of any beast, in the likeness of any winged bird, in the likeness of anything that creeps. He even deals with the creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish or the water beneath the earth. Take heed, pay attention, lest you lift your eyes to heaven and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which your Lord God has to given to you and all the people under the heritage. He, he has taken you out of the iron furnace of Egypt to be his people as you are this day. Take heed, verse 23, to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord has forgiven, forbidden you. For the Lord God is a consuming fire. He's jealous. Moses is telling them, remember something. That there was a mountain that was burning with fire and God spoke to us. And we're supposed to observe these commandments that he gave. By the way, they're not suggestions, they were commandments. And then he, he's basically saying here, he doesn't want you worshiping creation. He wants you worshiping the creator. Now, <clears throat> we're living in a culture right now that has given itself, listen to me, it's given itself to creation worship instead of a creator worship. And, and Romans 1 says that those that worship creation instead of the creator end up with a debased mind. They're not thinking properly. They have a wrong perspective about lives. They, they are greatly deceived and full of themselves. And, and they're, they're going to do all this stuff that humans can do without God. And they want to impose that kind of thinking upon everybody. And those who know their God know better that we should not worship creation and end up a fool. But we should be worshiping the creator and be filled with his wisdom and might and power and be pursuing after the things that he wants. Listen, we are living in a confused 
culture over this whole deal of who are we going to worship and what are we going to worship and idolatry. People become like what they worship. You want to worship creation? You're going to start thinking there's 57 genders. Come on. You're going to get messed up and you're thinking. You're going to think you can save a planet without God. You think you're going to get done all by yourself. The spirit of Babylon is let us do it. Let us build. Let us do this thing. And by the way, God messes those things up and our culture is getting ready to be messed up and we better be a people that have been shaken by God and know who we are and whose we are so we can help them get their thinking straightened out. That's what he was saying. He said, I'm a consuming fire. I'm going to consume and I'm jealous. God's jealous about this. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy now, and, uh, I, well, I'm really not, but, but I'm a little older. But listen, I'm so old, I remember Blockbuster video. Anybody remember those things? Okay. I was in a Blockbuster video one night with Barbara, and, you know, she was looking around at the chick flick section, looking for a video to rent. And I was over in the man section, you know, the war movies and, you know, the destructive things and fights and all this stuff. And I'm overlooking and she's overlooking, you know, and she's looking at these chick flick things. And there's this tall string bean of a guy that's standing over here and he's looking at the movies and he keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden he's standing next to my wife and I'm, I'm over here. He's probably 6'2", 6'3", probably weighed 110 pounds wet, skinny guy. You know, he's looking at movies and she's looking at movies. And he puts his arm around my wife. Um, You know, all of a sudden I'm 6'4". I'm looking across that blockbuster store and I'm saying, hey, hey, that's my wife you're touching. He, he freaked out. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said, you know, I wasn't paying attention. I thought it was my wife. I'm sorry, sir. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Get your hands off of my wife. Listen to me. We get too close to the world and let the world get too close to us. I'm telling you, you're going to hear a voice of God saying, hey, get away from there. You don't belong there. That's not who you are. Listen, people say, I don't hear the voice of God. Get close to what you're not supposed to get close to. You hear it. Get the hell out of there and run. You don't belong there. He is jealous for you. He wants to consume you for his plan and his purposes. Okay, I said hell in church, Pastor, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 9, 3 says, understand today that your God who goes before you as a consuming fire will destroy your enemies. Bring them down before you so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. The consuming fire goes before you. 
He destroys your enemies. He will bring them down, but he said, it's your responsibility to drive them out. Now listen, the, the, the fire of God ignites passions, and, and we don't get filled with the Holy Spirit and have his fire ignited inside of us to be a spectator. You know, so many times we want to treat this Christianity like a football game. We're all the spectators, and we're watching, you know, 22 people play on the field, and we're yelling and cheering and hollering and giving our opinion on Monday morning about all the things that they should have done because they lost. And we're, we're spectators. Following Jesus is not a spectator game. You're called to be a participator. And, and there's some responsibility at the cross. Listen to me. At the cross, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He broke their strength. He broke their power. The Bible says that he descended into Hades. And my translation, the Williams translation, says when he was down there, he looked, said, devil, give them to me. Come on, give them to me. Hand them over. Give me those keys. I have now the keys of hell and death. You don't have them anymore. I have authority now. You have no more authority. Your authority has been stripped. Now give me those keys. And by the way, lay down. And the devil, he's put his hand, <coughs> stepped on his head. Genesis 3, you're going to bruise his heel and he's going to step on your head. Then he rose from the dead. He has the keys of hell and death. And he said to the church, I am going to give you keys to the kingdom. And so you've got to go open and close. You've got to unlock. You've got to bind. You've got to loose. You have authority, and you are called to be a participator. You don't have to go running to somebody for help all the time. What you have to do is let the fire of God get working inside of you, and you start driving out your own enemies. You've got to move them out. I need somebody to help me. You do. You need the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. He will help you. He is the consuming fire. He will ignite passions inside of you, and you will get some backbone and spine inside of you, and you'll move forward. See, this consuming fire causes us to be warriors. We need to be warriors for the gospel. <laughs> well, we're living in this Christian country, people say. I don't think so. I think we need to start realizing that we're living amongst a lost culture. You know, people say, I want to go to the mission field. You're living in the mission field. Go across the street. Go next door. You know, talk, talk to the person you're working with. Now, Pastor, you're really meddling. Yeah, I am. They don't know what you know. They don't know who you know. And when you begin to talk about Jesus and his kingdom to people and what Jesus will do to them, you will ignite the fires inside of you and you will come alive and begin connecting with your purpose. We are called to be gospel warriors. We are called to be prayer warriors. We are called to be not, we don't have, you know, we have these few people and they're the prayer people. No, the whole church is supposed to be a prayer people. Every Christian is supposed to be a prayer person. Jesus said, when you pray, say, 
you let the kingdom come. Let your will be done. You and I are all called to be people of prayer. Jesus, he said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, loose on earth, loosed in heaven. The, the message translation makes it very simple. It says this, a yes on earth is a yes in heaven. And a no on earth is a no in heaven. Can, can I just share a thought with you? You get your passions burning in the right priority, you'll get your yeses and nos straightened out. See, we need some people that start saying yes to heaven. The promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe. The, the, the reality of God's will will come when his people start standing in the gap and saying yes to heaven. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Yes to heaven. Yes to what God wants. You, you need to start saying yes. Can you say this with me? Yes to heaven. Come on. Yes to heaven. And the other thing we need to do is stand in the place of authority and say no to hell. See, we, we've made this Christianity thing so complex when it's really so simple. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. He said, we got to get our yeses and noes straightened out. If we have a fire burning inside of our bones, we will start saying yes to heaven and no to hell. You, are you listening to me? One of my sons was struggling when he was in high school, and he was struggling. The enemy was trying to take swats at him, and I'd, he was a sound sleeper. And I'd sneak into his room at night and lay right beside his bed and start saying no. No, hell no, devil, you cannot have him. You will not win. I rebuke you. I take authority over you. I, I did spiritual warfare. He was sound asleep. He didn't know. I just got up, went back to bed. A few days later, man, all of a sudden, it started changing, changing, changing. you got to say yes to heaven and no to hell. Are you listening to me? Come on, everybody say this with me. Heaven, yes. Come on. Hell, no. You have authority. You do. You have authority to say no to the gates of hell. I want to bind and loose and get the name of that demon. You don't need the name of a demon. You need the authority of Jesus and know how to say no. That's what you got to do. That's how you win. No. Over my grandkids, it's no. Yes to heaven, no to hell. I was talking to my, I was preaching at my own church in Albuquerque about this and my eight-year-old granddaughter. So I said to her at lunchtime, I said, what'd you learn at church today? Hell no, she said. <laughs> her mom's going, I said, it's in the Bible. No to hell. We got to get some authority back into the church. We got to quit playing little mamby-pamby Christian games and take our place in the culture that we're living in and start saying yes to heaven. Come on, God, invade this. Let your kingdom come. And we need to say no to hell. We need to say no to cancer. We need to say no to demons. We need to say no. Come on, let it rise up. See, the fire of God will make a prayer warrior out of you. How do I pray? Yes. Come on, God, do it. No, no, you, you can't have that. You can't have this one, and you can't have that one. I'm, people say, that's kind of weird. Try it. Let me challenge you. Just try it. 
the, the problems you're having in your life that you know the devil's trying to deceive you, just start saying out loud, no. No, 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 we're, we're not doing this anymore. This doesn't own me anymore. I'm owned by the king. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. No, no the gates of hell have no right in our lives anymore. But you've got to open your mouth with faith and say it, no. That's all free. That's not in my notes. That's good stuff. Come on. This fire will make us a terrorist to the kingdom of darkness. Listen, there, are, there is opposition to being a kingdom person. Jesus said this. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It suffers op opposition. If, if you're never facing opposition, you probably are in neutral. Moving right along. If you're doing what God has lined you for and made you for and created you for, you're going to face some opposition. You're going to face probably a lot of opposition. This old prophet was talking to a bunch of us young pastors. He said this, he said, you guys, you got a big red X on the top of your head. You're a target. The devil doesn't like you. We're all sitting there. And then he said, get used to it. You got to learn how to fight. You got to learn how to stand. You got to learn how to move things forward. You're moving one kingdom from another world into this world. There will be opposition. So we fight with faith. We fight with love. We fight with hope. This revival thing, Holy Spirit baptism, it, it lights a fire inside of us. Tory wrote about D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody was a, had become a preacher, and these two little ladies in his church came to D.L. Moody. They said, we are praying for you. Said, really, what are you praying for me? They said, we're praying that you get touched by the fire of God and walk in his power. Tory said, Moody, when he started out, was just kind of a nominal preacher. And then all of a sudden, he got so startled by these two little ladies telling that he, there's something missing in your life and we're praying that you get it, that he began to seek God. He began to cry out to God, God, if there's more for me, I want some more from you. And, 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 and he was standing in, on Wall Street in New York City at a crosswalk. He was standing there at that crosswalk in the middle of a crowd. And he said, a presence came upon me and a fire began to burn inside of me. And I had to walk down the street into a friend's office and go into his office. And liquid fire kept coming over me and over me until I had to say, God, please stop. I can't take anymore and after that this is what they said the guy preached with passion souls started getting saved the kingdom started advancing and people said we think that moody has the holy spirit and other people said no the holy spirit has moody may the holy spirit have you today finney was a 
evangelist and historically he, he, he saturated this area up in northern New York. But Finney said he was sitting in front of his fireplace, smoking his pipe, reading his Bible, meditating and looking into the fire. And all of a sudden the fire started coming alive inside of him and the presence of God came upon him and a fire started burning inside of him in a way that he had to ask God, that's enough, I can't take anymore. He was afraid that he was going to die. And from that time on, when the fire lit inside of him, he saw whole communities coming to Christ. By the way, the seeds of revival are in upstate New York. The seeds of Reformation, revival history is in upstate New York. And it, you need to cry out to God, God, come and water those seeds. Light a fire back again in upstate New York. That history was made here once, it can be made here again. Amen. My own life, personally, I was a new Christian. I'd had an encounter with Jesus. I wanted to operate in the manifest in the gifts of the Spirit. I started crying out to God. And a friend of mine told me about fasting and praying, and I started fasting and praying and started seeing God do some things. And then, you know, I was in a meeting, and somebody had a, a, a message in tongues and an interpretation, and I had an interpretation that was different. And I just got down on my knees. I said, God, I, I want this to be real. I, I don't want it to be mingled. I, I don't want to be missing it. I don't want to mess up with it. God, God, I want this to be real. Everybody had left this chapel service I was in, and I was down on my knees in a pew like this at the back of a chapel, and all of a sudden, this presence came upon me as I was praying in the Spirit. I was actually literally lifted up out of my body, and I was looking down at myself, praying in the Holy Spirit, and this cloud kept coming over me and over me and over me, and there was a fire inside of that cloud. It started burning inside of me, and, and, and I don't know how long it went on, but I was exhausted exhausted when it was over and I laid there and I got up and I realized that I'd missed a couple of classes and I was walking out of the chapel and there was a guy waiting there for me when I come walking out and he was a senior in the college and he said Steve come here he said you're a new Christian he said you got all this zeal you got all this stuff working inside of you he said but you're, you're going to start growing up you know and then he said you're going to cool off a little bit and you'll get more like us and you're going to be more productive you know he said so if he said, don't worry. He said, he said, if the fire goes out, you'll still make it. I thought, I just got consumed with a fire. And here this guy has been saved longer than I have. has been telling me all this stuff. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, oh, okay. And I was walking away and I got about, got about 10 feet away. And I turned around and I said, hey, hey, wait a minute. And I put my finger in his face. I said, the fire will never go out. This fire will never ever, ever go out. That was a long time ago, 1974. It has never gone out. When we transitioned our church, we were laying hands on my son, ordaining him into the ministry. And Ernest Gentile, you know Ernest, he was a prophetic guy, was there. And Ernest was, you know, we were ordaining my son and setting him in. And Ernest just stopped and looked up at me, and he put his finger up toward me. He said, Steve, you're not done. And he said, you're, you're going to start fires all over the place. God's going to use you to reignite a fire and reignite a passion inside of you. And at the end of COVID, I'm seeking God, what do you want? He said, I want you to start lighting these fires that we've been talking about. And I didn't come. I, 
I didn't, I didn't come to Syracuse to preach you a nice little sermon. My God, you've heard enough sermons. Holy Spirit, come and ignite fresh passion in this place. Holy Spirit, I have an anointing in this. Holy Spirit, come and light a fire that's not going to go out. A fire that won't be quenched. A fire that ignites a passion inside of us for prayer and for his presence. Light a fire that consumes us. Light a fire that cleanses us. Let a fire that makes way for new life to begin. Light a fire that ignites our passions for him. Holy Spirit, come and do that. I would just say, if you would like some fresh fire in your life, I'm not trying to appeal to anybody's emotions, but you can have as much of God as you want. You want a fire reignited inside of you. you. You've gone out and you need the wind to blow. You need the light to be revealed. You need his presence speaking to you. You, you would like a fresh touch from him this morning. I just would like you to stand. And just, you don't have to, but if you want something fresh, an ignition from God, supernatural work of his spirit being birthed inside of you. If you're just comfortable doing this, just lift your hands. You know, if you're not comfortable with it, I just tell people, do it anyhow. It's in the Bible. I read in Hebrews, we are receiving a kingdom. You, you, you don't earn it. You don't buy it. You don't perform for it. We receive it. We receive what he's doing. Holy Spirit, come with your presence right here. Begin to ignite a holy, consuming fire into this place. Let a fire come that purifies. Let it come that cleanses. Let it come that it ignites passions and prayer. Let it ignite an authority that begins to say yes to heaven and, and no to hell. God, let, let an authority begin to settle into this place that's already here. Let it come alive. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's our hope that you make today that day to call upon the name of the Lord and to give your life to him. If you'd like to speak to a pastor, please take out your phone, text 315-444-2100, and somebody from our team will be in touch with you. 
Also, if you're making the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, text the word Jesus to that number, 315-444-2100. And we would love to celebrate with you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.